0: chapter thirty of dr thorne by anthony trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom chapter thirty post frank rode home a happy man cheering himself as successful lovers do cheer themselves with the brilliancy of his late exploit nor was it till he had turned the corner into the greshamsbury stables that he began to reflect what he would do next it was all very well to have induced mary to allow his three fingers to lie half a minute in her soft hand the having done so might certainly be sufficient evidence that he had overcome one of the lions in his path but it could hardly be said that all his difficulties were now smoothed how was he to make further progress to mary also the same ideas no doubt occurred with many others but then it was not for mary to make any progress in the matter to her at least belonged this passive comfort that at present no act hostile to the de courcy interest would be expected from her all that she could do would be to tell her uncle so much as it was fitting that he should know The doing this would doubtless be in some degree difficult but it was not probable that there would be much difference much of anything but loving anxiety for each other between her and dr thorne one other thing indeed she must do frank must be made to understand what her birth had been this she said to herself will give him an opportunity of retracting what he has done should he choose to avail himself of it it is well he should have such opportunity but frank had more than this to do he had told beatrice that he would make no secret of his love and he fully resolved to be as good as his word to his father he owed an unreserved confidence and he was fully minded to give it. It was, he knew, altogether out of the question that he should at once marry a portionless girl without his father's consent, probably out of the question that he should do so even with it. But he would, at any rate, tell his father, and then decide as to what should be done next. So resolving, he put his black horse into the stable, and went in to dinner. After dinner, he and his father would be alone yes after dinner he and his father would be alone he dressed himself hurriedly for the dinner-bell was almost on the stroke as he entered the house he said this to himself once and again but when the meats and the puddings and then the cheese were borne away as the decanters were placed before his father and lady arabella sipped her one glass of claret and his sisters at their portion of strawberries his pressing anxiety for the coming interview began to wax somewhat dull his mother and sisters however rendered him no assistance by prolonging their stay with unwonted assiduity he pressed a second glass of claret on his mother but lady arabella was not only temperate in her habits but also at the present moment very angry with her son she thought that he had been to boxall hill and was only waiting a proper moment to cross-question him sternly on the subject now she departed taking her train of daughters with her give me one big gooseberry said nina as she squeezed herself in under her brother's arm prior to making her retreat frank would willingly have given her a dozen of the biggest had she wanted them but having got the one she squeezed herself out again and scampered off the squire was very cheery this evening from what cause cannot now be said perhaps he had succeeded in negotiating a further loan thus temporarily sprinkling a drop of water over the ever-rising dust of his difficulties well frank what have you been after today peter told me you had the black horse out said he pushing the decanter to his son take my advice my boy and don't give him too much summer road work legs won't stand it let them be ever so good why sir i was obliged to go out to-day and therefore it had to be either the old mare or the young horse why didn't you take ramble now ramble was the squire's own saddle-hack used for farm surveying and occasionally for going to cover i shouldn't think of doing that sir my dear boy he is quite at your service for goodness sake do let me have a little wine frank quite at your service any riding i have now is after the haymakers and that's all on the grass thank you sir well perhaps i will take a turn out of ramble should i want it do and pray pray take care of that black horse's legs he is turning out more of a horse than i took him to be and i should be sorry to see him injured where have you been to-day well father i have something to tell you something to tell me and then the squire's happy and gay look which had been only rendered more happy and more gay by his assumed anxiety about the black horse gave place to that heaviness of visage which acrimony and misfortune had made so habitual to him something to tell me any grave words like these always presaged some money difficulty to the squire's ears he loved frank with the tenderest love he would have done so under almost any circumstances but doubtless that love had been made more palpable to himself by the fact that frank had been a good son as regards money not exigent as was lady arabella or selfishly reckless as was his nephew lord porlock but now frank must be in difficulty about money this was his first idea what is it frank you have seldom had anything to say that has not been pleasant for me to hear and then the heaviness of visage again gave way for a moment as his eye fell upon his son i have been to boxall hill sir the tenor of his father's thoughts was changed in an instant and the dread of immediate temporary annoyance gave place to true anxiety for his son he, the squire had been no party to mary's exile from his own domain and he had seen with pain that she had now a second time been driven from her home but he had never hitherto questioned the expediency of separating his son from mary thorne alas it became too necessary too necessary through his own default that frank should marry money At boxall hill frank has that been prudent or indeed has it been generous to miss thorne who has been driven there as it were by your imprudence father it is well that we should understand each other about this fill your glass frank frank mechanically did as he was told and passed the bottle i should never forgive myself were i to deceive you or keep anything from you i believe it is not in your nature to deceive me frank the fact is sir that i have made up my mind that mary thorne shall be my wife sooner or later that is unless of course she should utterly refuse hitherto she has utterly refused me i believe i may now say that she has accepted me the squire sipped his claret at the moment said nothing there was a quiet manly but yet modest determination about his son that he had hardly noticed before frank had become legally of age legally a man when he was twenty-one nature it seems had postponed the ceremony till he was twenty-two nature often does postpone the ceremony even to a much later age sometimes altogether forgets to accomplish it the squire continued to sip his claret he had to think over the matter a while before he could answer a statement so deliberately made by his son i think i may say so continued frank with perhaps unnecessary modesty she is so honest that had she not intended it she would have said so honestly am i right father in thinking that as regards mary personally you would not reject her as a daughter-in-law personally said the squire glad to have the subject presented to him in a view that enabled him to speak out oh no personally i should not object to her for i love her dearly she is a good girl i do believe she is a good girl in every respect i have always liked her liked to see her about the house but i know what you would say father this was rather more than the squire knew himself such a marriage is imprudent it is more than that frank i fear it is impossible impossible no father it is not impossible it is impossible frank in the usual sense what are you to live upon what would you do with your children you would not wish to see your wife distressed and comfortless no i should not like to see that you would not wish to begin life as an embarrassed man and end it as a ruined man if you were now to marry miss thorne such would i fear doubtless be your lot frank caught at the word now i don't expect to marry immediately I know that would be imprudent but i am pledged father and i certainly cannot go back and now that i have told you all this what is your advice to me the father again sat silent still sipping his wine there was nothing in his son that he could be ashamed of nothing that he could meet with anger nothing that he could not love but how should he answer him the fact was that the son had more in him than the father this his mind and spirit were of a calibre not to be opposed successfully by the mind and spirit of the squire do you know mary's history said mr gresham at last the history of her birth not a word of it said frank i did not know she had a history nor does she know it at least i presume not but you should know it now and frank i will tell it you not to turn you from her not with that object though i think that to a certain extent it should have that effect mary's birth was not such as would become your wife and be beneficial to your children if so father i should have known that sooner why was she brought in here among us true frank the fault is mine mine and your mother's circumstances brought it about years ago when it never occurred to us that all this would arise but i will tell you her history and frank remember this though i tell it you as a secret a secret to be kept from all the world but one you are quite at liberty to let the doctor know that i have told you indeed i shall be careful to let him know myself should it ever be necessary that he and i should speak together as to this engagement the squire then told his son the whole story of mary's birth as it is known to the reader frank sat silent looking very blank he also had as had every gresham a great love for his pure blood he had said to his mother that he hated money that he hated the estate but he would have been very slow to say even in his warmest opposition to her that he hated the role of the family pedigree he loved it dearly though he seldom spoke of it as men of good family seldom do speak of it it is one of those possessions which to have is sufficient a man having it need not boast of what he has or show it off before the world but on that account he values it more he had regarded mary as a cutting duly taken from the ullathorn tree not indeed as a grafting branch full of flower just separated from the parent stalk but as being not a whit the less truly endowed with the pure sap of that venerable trunk when therefore he heard her true history he sat a while dismayed it is a sad story said the father yes sad enough said frank rising from his chair and standing with it before him leaning on the back of it poor mary poor mary she will have to learn it some day i fear so frank and then there was again a few moments silence To me, father, it is told too late. It can now have no effect on me. Indeed, said he, sighing as he spoke, but still relieving himself by the very sigh, it could have had no effect had I learnt it ever so soon. I should have told you before, said the father. Certainly I ought to have done so. It would have been no good, said Frank. Ah, sir, tell me this who were miss dunstable's parents what was that fellow moffat's family this was perhaps cruel of frank the squire however made no answer to the question i have thought it right to tell you said he i leave all commentary to yourself i need not tell you what your mother will think what did she think of miss dunstable's birth said he again more bitterly than before no sir he continued after a further pause all that can make no change none at any rate now it can't make my love less even if it could have prevented it nor even could it do so which it can't the least not in the least but could it do so it could not break my engagement i am now engaged to mary thorne and then he again repeated his question asking for his father's advice under the present circumstances. The conversation was a very long one, as long as to disarrange all Lady Arabella's plans. She had determined to take her son most stringently to task that very evening, and with this object had ensconced herself in the small drawing-room, which had formerly been used for a similar purpose by the august countess herself here she now sat having desired augusta and beatrice as well as the twins to beg frank to go to her as soon as he should come out of the dining-room poor lady there she waited till ten o'clock tealess there was not much of the bluebeard about the squire but he had succeeded in making it understood through the household that he was not to be interrupted by messages from his wife during the postprandial hour, which, though no toper, he loved so well. As a period of twelve months will now have to be passed over, the upshot of this long conversation must be told in as few words as possible. The father found it impracticable to talk his son out of his intended marriage. Indeed, he hardly attempted to do so by any direct persuasion he explained to him that it was impossible that he should marry at once and suggested that he frank was very young you married sir before you were one-and-twenty said frank yes and repented before i was two-and-twenty so did not say the squire he suggested that mary should have time to ascertain what would be her uncle's wishes and ended by inducing frank to promise that after taking his degree in october he would go abroad for some months and that he would not indeed return to greshamsbury till he was three-and-twenty he may perhaps forget her said the father to himself as this agreement was made between them he thinks that i shall forget her said frank to himself at the same time but he does not know me when lady arabella at last got hold of her son she found that the time for her preaching was utterly gone by he told her almost with what his plans were and when she came to understand them and to understand also what had taken place at boxall hill she could not blame the squire for what he had done she also said to herself more confidently than the squire had done that frank would quite forget mary before the year was out lord buckish said she to herself rejoicingly is now with the ambassador at paris lord buckish was her nephew and with him frank will meet women that are really beautiful women of fashion when with lord buckish he will soon forget mary thorne but not on this account did she change her resolve to follow up to the furthest point her hostility to the Thorns. She was fully enabled now to do so, for Doctor Fillgrave was already reinstalled at Greshamsbury as her medical adviser. One other short visit did Frank pay to Boxall Hill, and one interview had he with Doctor Thorne. Mary told him all she knew of her own sad history and was answered only by a kiss a kiss absolutely not in any way by her to be avoided the first the only one that had ever yet reached her lips from his and then he went away the doctor told him all the story yes said frank i knew it all before dear mary dearest mary don't you doctor teach yourself to believe that i shall forget her And then also he went his way from him, went his way also from Greshamsbury, and was absent for the full period of his allotted banishment, twelve months namely, and a day. End of chapter thirty recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom.